Welcome to the Sunday message from Hollyview Church in Boring, Oregon. We gather every Sunday morning as a worshiping community of Jesus followers on mission to see God glorified in our lives, our cities, and around the world. At Hollyview, the Bible serves as our foundation and guide for both life and ministry. It tells the story of God and the story of us. We believe the better we know the themes and flow of the biblical story, the better we will be able to find our little place in God's grand storyline. Thank you for joining us. And now, here's this week's message from Hollyview Church. We continue our study in the book of James. We're in James chapter 4 as Pastor Joel Woodard brings his message, The Raging War Inside. Now I'd like to begin my message this morning. Uh, I'd like to read from James chapter 4. James chapter 4. I'd like to read verses 6 through 10. James chapter 4, verses 6 to 10. And would you, would you stand, if you're able to, both physically and I think spiritually as well, as we read from God's Word. James 4, verse 6 says this, But he, the Lord, gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will exalt you. We'll stop right there. Probably another good chance to pray. Let's pray one more time. Lord, as we come to your word, we pray that our eyes would be open, that we would see, that our ears would be open. We'd hear what you'd have for us. Lord, soften our hearts this morning so that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can go ahead and have a seat. So before we get to the the text today and and kind of chew through this thing, I want to share with you about one of the best places I've ever been. If you ever get to travel anywhere or go anywhere, uh, this is the place you should go. Um, It's my favorite city in all of Europe. It's Prague. Uh, Any of you ever been to Prague? Prague, Czech Republic, one of the most amazing uh, cities in all of um, Europe. Uh, And let me tell you a little bit why it's so unique. The whole city is unbelievable. Uh, There's other places in Europe you can go to, and there's like neat little areas, or there's like a cool castle or a nice church, but all of Prague is just just amazing, just beautiful. Well, besides maybe the train station. Train station is not that great, but if you go just a block from the train station, you get to Wenceslas Square, which is this like mile-long cobblestone square that's got just beautiful buildings and shops all around you, all around it, and the big statue of King Wenceslas up on his horse, uh, leading the nation in victory. You walk down that street, and then you get to the marketplace where these all these wooded things are selling just about everything you can imagine. Turn the corner, and there's the astronomical clock that's just this ancient clock in this, like, this tower that's just beautiful. You get into that square, and there's churches on either end with their spirals. There's cobblestone all around the thing, and a statue of John Hus, Jan Hus, in the middle that was a reformer for the Czechs. Just beautiful. You could just spend your time there. It's where Amy and I had our first date uh, is in that square. You go just a little bit, walk down from there, and you get to the towers of St. Charles Bridge. 
uh, on either side, this ancient bridge that is just unbelievable. And all the stories, it's just beautiful there. And all you have to do is just look up from there and you see the Prague Castle with the, the, the towers of there and the walls around it. You look to the left, there's this rose garden on the hill. And just behind the castle, there's actually this place called the Golden Lane, which is where poets and artists and uh, all these people of influence, like they kind of stayed in this beautiful Golden Lane, these little houses. Uh, the whole thing is just, it's just magical. The whole city is just magical. And the reason why Prague is so unique out of all the cities in Europe is that it has never been like bombed and destroyed. Never been bombed and destroyed. And the reason that is, is because every time a superpower would come in and invade them, they would just give up. Uh, it's great. Uh, so people come in, a super, like Russia or Germany, and, and this little tiny uh, Czech army doesn't have the capacity. And so, so in humility, really, thinking, man, we're not going to do anything, and not being destroyed, they go, we give up. Which led to a joke a Czech person told me when I was there. This was the, the national drill of the Czech National Army. Uh, Czech drill, na National Army, was this. One, two, three, we give up. One, two, three, we give up. One, two, three, we surrender. Well, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of a, a funny joke, but there's actually a lot we can learn from the Czech Army. Uh, in the same way that they humbly recognized that there was a power uh, over them that, that was greater than them, they, and they humbly surrendered, today we're going to see that humility leads to surrender. R recognizing that God's power and authority is over us should lead us to the same practice. One, two, three, I surrender. One, two, three, I give up. And you might think, surrender. I don't want to surrender. Surrender's for the weak and the broken. Surrender is a way to become slaves and be destroyed. You, you, you need to fight for your rights. You need to fight for what you want, what you desire, what you want to get out of life. No one's going to give it to you. You better fight for it. How does surrendering, how, how is that ever a good thing? Well, we see it in the Czech Republic, actually, uh, surrendering has actually led to it being one of the top places of tourism because it maintained all of its beauty. Uh, number one city in all of Eastern Europe to visit is Prague. It's number 22 in the world of cities to visit. Uh, so it's kind, of, it's kind of ironic, but this idea of surrendering uh, leads to something uh, beautiful. Well, how... How does it lead to that? Well, this brings us back to our text. Is we're going to look today at, at James chapter 4, and we're going to look at three battlefronts of our hearts. Three, three areas that are at war within each one of us. That As James is describing this raging war that's in each side, uh, each one of us in our hearts. And the idea that surrendering your desires, your pride, your control to the Lord actually is the way to victory in life. It leads to freedom and honor. And there are areas in our, in our hearts that they don't give up very easy. So we're in for a little bit of a, a battle this morning in each, each one of us. So, so let's look. Here's the first battlefront of our, our hearts. It's desire versus humility. Desire versus humility. It's the desire, that passion, that, that longing for pleasure that burns within each of us that, that causes us to advance 
to march out, to obtain land or property that isn't ours. It's this desire. I need it. I want it. James 4 in verse 1 says this, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? We'll, we'll stop right there. James, is he wants to take it back. Okay, there's, there's fightings and quarrels. Let's, let's go back to the root of the problem, all of this. Well, what's the problem in all these uh, relationships we have in the context you're at and the school you're in and the workplace you're in? What, what's, the, what's the root of the problem? And he says, it's actually not the people around you. Uh, the root of the problem is not the people sitting to your right and your left. It's actually something going on within you, within your, within your heart. Um, have you ever uh, had like an odd number of dessert pieces and a brother or sister will take the last piece of dessert and another brother's like, I wanted that last piece. And so under the table, they end up kicking them in the shin. I wanted, I wanted that piece. But, you know, it's not actually about that brother or sister, is it? It's more about that desire in you that seems to be frustrated or blocked by someone else. And so, and so, so that war that's inside of you ends up spilling out to the person next to you. I, I want that. I want to watch that. I want to sit there. I want to be happy. I want to be comfortable. I want you to end this sermon now. I want what's best for me. I want, I want, I want desires that motivate us that comes out in fighting and quarrels and attacks on other people. James is encouraging us. If you're having a difficult time with somebody, if something's not quite going right, rather than, than going out and attacking them, ask the question first, why am I frustrated? Why am I angry? Why am I, why am I jealous? What's going on in my, my heart? What is it that I want that I'm not getting? Because this war that's going on inside of us just spills out onto others. You want something. But the other end of it is, is humbling yourself under God's authority. And see, James says this, this war that's going on, it's actually it's more, it's more about your relationship with God and how you view God. You say you don't pray, you don't ask. And so you don't get it. And then when you, when you ask, you're asking for your own pleasures and your own desires. And so why would I do that? Why would I let your desires and your, and your passions and your lust, why would I let that rule you? Because when your desires, when they win, when they rule, people or even God himself, if they get in the way of that desire, it's a fight in us. I want it. Well, James, does, he doesn't beat around the bush here. All through the letter, he's addressed them as my dear brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters. But here is the first time he doesn't. Rather than brothers and sisters, he calls them, you adulterous people. Ouch. 
He goes on to explain friendship with the world is enmity. It's like an enemy with God. And, and here we got to put it in the context. This friendship with the world is not like a Facebook friend that someone I go out to eat with if I want to. This is in the context of adultery. So this is like this lustful desire, this pleasure for the moment that ends up in destruction and ruin for all of those people around us. You see, when passion wins the battle, you lose the war. Surrender, uh, it, it desires to, uh, to allow you to win. But because of our passions, we end, up, we end up attacking and fighting, and it spills out in us. Psalm 37.4 says this, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and, and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way and over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from evil and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil, for the evildoer shall be cut off. But those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. When, when these desires, these lusts, these passions burn up within us, I think James is, is teaching us, we need to practice that check drill. One, two, three, Lord, I give you my desires. One, two, three, I surrender my passions to you, Lord. Here's the second area that's at, at war within us, a battlefront of our heart. Number two, it's pride, our pride versus humility. Our pride, this feeling of, of pleasure that wells up in us in our accomplishments or our achievements. Uh, often, uh, we don't even have to achieve something. We just have to push enough people down uh, to make us feel better, at least better than everyone around us. Look at James 4 and verse 6. But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or, or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? We'll stop right there one more time. You know, we live in a culture that celebrates, that praises judging we, we judge everything. We have crowds of people that sit on the sideline and judge, you name it. Cooking shows, uh, baking shows, crafting shows, uh, sports. We judge refs who are judging the sports themselves. We judge singing competitions. Uh, Hannah and I, 
uh, we've watched American Idol a couple times. And you know, it's a beginning thing where the, some of them are good and some of them are bad. And Hannah and I will, after every performance, we'll look at each other and, and judge for ourselves. Well, that was good. Or Hannah and I will be like, ooh, that was bad. They should not go on. We, we sit in this place of, uh, of a judge of these things. In fact, they celebrate it and they want us to be doing that. But if you put yourself in the judge's seat, it means that you are not in the competition. And James says there's only one judge, one lawgiver. Everybody else is in the game. So if you put yourself in that judge's place, that judge's seat, it means two things. Here's the first thing it means. It means that you are putting yourself in the place of God. That you put yourself on the throne. Second thing it means is that you've taken yourself out of the game. You've somehow said, I've arrived, I'm better, I've mastered it, I've finished, the, I've finished the line, and I'm done. Now I can stand in the place of judge. It means that you're better than them, that you have arrived. And when our pride, when it wins the battle, we end up losing the war. So, so James' encouragement is to surrender your pride. He would encourage us to once again uh, practice that Czech army drill. One, two, three, I surrender my pride. One, two, three, I give up thinking I need to be the best or have arrived. One, two, three, I'll give up my arrogance. One, two, three, I surrender. Here's the third area. Uh, we've seen our, our passions, this lust. We've seen this, this uh, pride that's welling up in us. And the third one, uh, this one probably won't relate to a lot of people, so we'll go through it quickly. It's control. Uh, control versus hu- humi- humility. <laughs> totally kidding. Control versus humility. That humility of surrendering control to the Lord. Look at James 4 and verse 13. It says, Come now. You who say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you're a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him... It is sin. That's the end of the chapter. It seems innocent enough, though, right? Like, they're just making plans. I mean, is, this, is, God, is God telling us, don't make any plans? Like, is that what we're supposed to do? Uh, we're just supposed to fly by the seat of our pants all the time because the, the Lord knows, and how can you? I don't think that's what it's actually saying here. So I want us to slow down a little bit and, and look in this idea of control into the statement that, that he's setting up. If you're saying this and, and with the idea of control. He says, today or tomorrow. What that's really saying is, I will decide. I control what I do and when I do it. Today or tomorrow, I'll decide. Uh, I'm in control, ultimately. He says, we will go. I control my abilities. I control my health. I won't be sick that day. I won't roll an ankle. I will go into such and such a town. I control my destiny. I'll go where I want to go. I control the direction And spend a year there. Spend a year there. I control the future. I can tell you, I'll spend a year there. I I have control of my future. And trade, 
I control my skills, my giftings, my resources, what I do, and make a profit. I control my finances. I control success. I control the outcome and make a profit. Well, James isn't saying to, that you shouldn't plan, but he's actually, he's actually bringing up this heart issue of the surrendering your control to the Lord. These lines that he's, that he's given us is actually, you could summarize the whole thing and say, I'm the one ultimately in control. I will do what I want. I'll go where I want to. I'll do it when I want to do it. It's saying that I know everything, I'm unchanging, I'm powerful, I'm infinite, I'm eternal. You put yourself in the place of God. And when you do that, waves of destruction. Because you're, you're fighting a battle that you can't ever win. It's, it's idolatry, actually. You're putting yourself in the place of God. Now, James counters this attack with this line. He says, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. You don't control tomorrow. You don't know everything. He says, what's your life? You're not all powerful. You're just a mist. And I think this is like a hat tip to the book of Ecclesiastes, which we'll look at later on this year. You're just a mist. You're changing and flowing. And this idea of, uh, in Ecclesiastes, the word hevel, it means like the smoke that goes up. Uh, that's always changing, and you can't actually, that smoke that goes up, you could reach out to grab it, but it's not really there. You can't even control it. You're just a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. You're not eternal. You're not infinite. You, basically, James is saying, you're not God. Instead, he says, if the Lord wills, or Lord willing. We will go here or go there, do this or do that. It's not saying don't make plans. It's just surrendering those plans and the control of those over to the Lord. Now, Lord willing, uh, if you've grown up in the church, you might have even heard that. And some people like way overuse it. Like, Lord willing, Lord willing, Lord willing. And you, and you don't even mean it. You can mean it. But, but really saying Lord willing should be this practice or this drill uh, like the National Army. One, two, three, I surrender control. Lord willing. One, two, three, I give up uh, having to do it my way. One, two, three, I surrender. Well, 100 years ago, you would have seen this, this word, Lord willing, uh, all over the place. If you know, the, the Puritans absolutely loved this, but it wasn't in English. It was in Latin. Uh, so let me give you two Latin words this, this morning. Uh, Lord willing, or God willing, in Latin is Dio volente. Dio volente. You've heard that before? Some of you probably have. Dio volente means God willing or Lord willing. The Puritans loved this, and they put it everywhere. They put it on letters and publications and calendars and everything. But much like we do WWJD, you know, what would Jesus do? They did the same thing. They invented that way long ago for Dio volente. And so Dio volente, uh, it, the first letter is D. The second, the second word starts with V, so it's DV. So they would put DV at the end of a letter. So they, they would write a letter to uh, a family friend. Dearth Gwyneth, uh, I'm writing to you to let you know I'm hoping to come next month and spend some time with you. And at the end of the letter, they would sign it, and then they would put D-V, Dio Valente. I'm making plans, but I'm handing them over to the Lord. When we make plans, we, we have this expectation of control. 
We, we want to control them. We want to control the outcome. We want to control uh, who wins. We want, to control, uh, we want to control everything, how it happens. And when that doesn't happen the way we want it to happen, that's when this, this fight comes out in us. So, so we, we attack other people. We manipulate. We want to, we want to maintain con- control. And, and when we do, destruction just follows. Hurt, feelings, divisions, wounds, anger, because we must maintain control. Uh, instead, I think James would encourage you, just like the Puritans, to put, to put DV at the end of your emails. Uh, say, Dio Valente, if the Lord wills. Uh, think it in your head. Say, say it out loud. Put it beside the date in your calendar. They're going to go on vacation this date. DV, Dio Valente, if the Lord wills. Remind yourself of this practice over and over again, that God is ultimately the one in control, and you're just handing your plans to him. So when you feel that rise up and it's fighting inside you, this control to win uh, the battle, when when this control wins, you actually lose the war. Instead, James, I think, would once again say, practice that check drill. One, two, three. I surrender control. One, two, three. Not my will, but your will be done, Lord. One, two, three. Lord willing. Proverbs 3, in verse 5, says this. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and do not lean on your own understandings. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. There's this fight in each one of us because we want, we want to win the battle. We want to get what we want. We don't want to be put down or forgotten or overlooked. So this pride wells up in each one of us. Things don't go the way you want, so this fight starts coming up in you because you want control of it. But if you win those battles, you ultimately lose the war. But here's the good news. The good news is that the war has already been fought and won by Jesus. So you don't need to fight anymore. You simply need to walk in humility and surrender to the king. You see, long before uh, there was even a Czech national army, uh, the nation of Israel practiced this same drill that the joke about the checks was. This one, two, three, I surrender. Only it looked a little bit different. Because in the nation of Israel, if someone sinned or or something was welling up in them that was not right, control, pride, lust, anger, division, the sin in them, what they would have to do is come and bring an animal, and they would take it to the altar, and there at the altar, uh, they would place their hand on the animal. And, And basically placing the hand on the animal goes... Uh, I'm transferring all my sin, my guilt, my shame to this innocent animal. Um, it, it, was, it was a surrender of, of their sin to something that could take care of it for them. And, and 
The book of Numbers, it talks about the practice of this. So, and it actually breaks it down into those intentional sins that you really meant to do, and even those things that you didn't mean to do, and how you were supposed to take care of all of those things. But there was one sin uh, that would fight inside of people that they said, this is, this is the worst sin of all. Let me, let me just read it. It's out of Numbers uh, 15 and verse 30. It says, But the person who does anything with a high hand, a high hand, I'll explain that in just a minute. Uh, the person who does anything with a high hand, whether he is a native or a sojourner, reviles the Lord, and that person shall be cut off from among his people because he has despised the word of the Lord and has broken his commandment. That person shall be utterly cut off. His iniquity shall be on him. The sin of the high hand. Uh, you might have heard that term before, the sin of the high hand. The sin of the high hand gets to the altar uh, and knows there is something, there's something sinful inside of you, but rather, but rather than place your hand on the animal and say, I'm guilty, I'm transferring my, my sin, my guilt, my shame to this innocent animal, uh, and rather than doing that, you keep your hand up and go, no, I don't want to. This is what I want. If I do that, I give up control of that, and I don't want that. I want control of my life. If I do that, maybe people will just overlook me. Maybe I'll have to, to do something that no one will ever know and people will just walk all over me. I don't know if I want to do that. Or you just justify it yourself. Well, really, they deserve that because they took that last piece of cake. They deserve to get kicked. They should have thought of me before that. I'm not, I didn't do anything wrong. And that sin of the, the high hand uh, is the exact opposite of surrendering. You know, the, to, win, to win the war, it's actually just a few inches in between uh, winning and losing it. it this, is, this is losing the war. This is, this is winning it. Surrender uh, actually is the way to victory. Humility, saying, uh, I'm not God, I'm not in control, then leads to you going, okay, God, it's yours. It's this freedom in it. It's one, two, three, I surrender. One, two, three, I surrender. One, two, three, I surrender. Let's pray. Lord, we know there is a war raging on in all of us. There is a fight for our hearts and our souls. And sometimes it's uh, demonic and spiritual. And Lord, sometimes it's just our own flesh waging war against us not trusting you, not believing in you, not wanting to give up control or our pride or the things that we want. But Lord, I pray that the fighting would stop today, that we would be a people who uh, repent and surrender to you. And in that, Lord, that we receive the freedom and that we are exalted because you exalt us, not because we try to get there ourselves. We come underneath your, your mighty, holy hand. That we would repent of our sins, knowing that we can't do it. We wouldn't fight that anymore. We'd just give it to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this message from Hollyview Church. We invite you to join us in person for our worship service every Sunday morning at 1030. You can find us on Southeast 257th Avenue, just off of Highway 212, between Boring and Damascus, Oregon, or find us online at hollyviewchurch.com. Together, we are being shaped by the gospel, rooted in God's word to share God's grace and truth. 
Again, whether online or in person, thank you for joining us here at Hollyview Church.